Democracy will not come today, this year, nor ever through compromise and fear. I have as much right as the other fellow has to stand on my two feet and own the land. I tire so of hearing people say, let things take their course. Tomorrow is another day. I do not need my freedom when I'm dead. I cannot live on tomorrow's bread. Freedom is a strong seed planted in a great need. I live here too. I want freedom just as you. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, November 29th. That clip was a reading of Langston Hughes's poem, Democracy, which was selected and read by Indiana-based poet Adrian Matejka as part of the Mellon Foundation's 25th anniversary celebration last year of National Poetry Month. Welcome back from Thanksgiving break. I hope you had a restful long weekend. Uh, I am still digesting turkey and mashed potatoes, but the Christmas ornaments are now up on the tree. I'm ready for the holidays. Um, But of course, we've got a few weeks before we get there, so... Let's dive in and talk about what's been happening over this holiday week. First, of course, midterm results. Um, We are coming down to the last few steps of the midterm counting and certification efforts. Um, In Alaska, Senator Murkowski was reelected, fending off a far-right Trump-supported Republican who was running against her. Ranked choice voting helped this moderate Republican come out ahead. And uh, Congresswoman Petola won in the ranked choice tabulations and is going back for a full term as Alaska's congresswoman. So bringing to close in Alaska the results that were many people were expecting, um, but now are official. Whereas down in Arizona, earlier this month, as we know, Senate Democrats won in the governorship, but Carrie Lake has refused to concede. Despite that she's lost by a margin of over 17,000 votes, she is not conceding. And what's now the question is what's happening in terms of certification. Cochise County voted two to one against certifying the results, even though they have no evidence of any problems happening in their county related to elections. Mojave County, another conservative county, actually weighed the same decision, but ultimately did decide to confirm the results of the election last week. Now, where this becomes a question, both in terms of election deniership and conspiracy theories, it's an issue. But also last week, the state elections director in Arizona wrote a letter to Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, governor-elect, saying that she is required by law to approve the statewide canvas by next by this week and that she will have to exclude Cochise County votes if they are not certified and received in time. Now, if they had to do that, that would actually flip the victor in at least two close races, a U.S. House seat and the state schools chief from Republican to Democrat because this conservative county doesn't certify its results. Secretary of State has sued to force the certification, avoid this confusion where you actually would disenfranchise Republicans leading to Democratic victories because of election conspiracy. It's going to be an interesting week in Arizona to see how this all plays out. Uh, In addition, Arizona law actually requires county officials to approve the election canvas. And lawyers in many counties warned Republican supervisors they could face criminal charges for failing to carry out their obligations. So questions of what will happen to those two no votes in Cochise County if they don't certify. Broadly, more looking beyond that one county in Arizona, we've mostly seen an easy certification process. Other places to look in at, you know, in northeast Pennsylvania, Luzerne County, where there were paper shortages that caused election day ballot problems. Last Monday, 
the Board of Elections and Voter Registration actually deadlocked and did not vote to certify their results. However, the tie-breaking member of the Board of Elections said that he plans to vote in favor of certifying the results at a board meeting this coming Wednesday, so tomorrow, because he's received assurances that few, if any, voters were unable to cast their ballots. So a hiccup last week became a big moment of news, but now it looks like it will go away. Lastly, in Michigan, where there was such protest last election with riots outside the Detroit counting board of state canvassers meeting and the election counting areas, instead it's been very quiet. And on Monday, the Michigan board of state canvassers voted unanimously to certify the results of the November election, meaning certifying all three Democratic statewide incumbents for statewide office and flipping both the Michigan State House and Senate. So despite the incredible Democratic wins, you had a unanimous bipartisan certification of the results. So good signs overall, keeping our eyes on Arizona for how that plays out. You know, Trump calling for Kerry Lake to be seated as governor, and even though he's claiming problems that even she wasn't claiming happened in Arizona. So the election denial continues. The other thing, of course, that continues is the runoff in Georgia. Senator Warnock and his groups have dramatically outspent Herschel Walker's side. You're seeing reports of a $31 million to $12 million difference from November 9th to the 28th on TV, radio, and digital ads. The Republicans have a seven million to five million advantage in what's booked for the remaining week of the election contest but it's probably going to change you'll see more bookings come in we'll see how it ends out same thing on the super PAC side so senate majority PAC um, and its affiliate georgia honor is outspending the republican counterpart 13 million to 5 million so the the financial energy seems to be on uh, Warnock side, even though a lot of movement groups that are doing door-to-door canvassing are reporting that they're not able to raise as much money as they were hoping and so are having to cut back on canvas. The other thing in Georgia is that early voting has begun already. So uh, Republicans tried to block early voting on Saturday. A Democratic lawsuit kept the early vote possibility open and 70,000 Georgians turned out to vote. And overall, when you're looking at not just the Saturday, but the overall early voting numbers is that the other big news is that young voters are really turning out far stronger than expected. And that's a good sign for Warnock in terms of fending off the challenge from uh, Herschel Walker. As of midday yesterday, voters who are 18 to 24 made up nearly a tenth of all early voters, more than millennials, more than the younger portion of Gen X. And they're especially turning out in democratically heavy counties like Cobb and Henry County and Atlanta suburbs in Fulton County, the heart of Atlanta, down in Athens, uh, which is very uh, student heavy population. So some encouraging signs for Warnock, which are encouraging signs for Democratic control and actually gaining a seat in the Senate and actually blocking a Trump supported election denier, Herschel Walker, coming in. But too soon to tell. The election will be next Tuesday. We will not know by the time of the podcast, but we'll be able to share the results in two weeks reflecting back about it. We'll talk about where we are next week. We're also starting to look forward. So we have elections in 2023, not a big year comparatively, but you'll see elections in New Jersey and Virginia, municipal elections all over the country. And one that's getting more attention now is in Wisconsin. So you've got two, now not one, but two big elections in Wisconsin next year. First is around the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Right now, conservatives have a 4-3 majority. And since you have 
Republicans currently with a supermajority in the legislature, there's the hope to flip a seat in the Supreme Court to be a check on the supermajority in the legislature. But that was already known. That was going to be a big race. Now the second big is that that Republican supermajority itself may now be uncertain. So the Wisconsin Republicans recaptured a supermajority in the state Senate earlier this month. But they've just had a longtime state senator announce that she's resigning effective tomorrow. And so that means that Democratic Governor Tony Evers has to call a special election. Now, uh, Alberta Darling is in the 8th district in Wisconsin. It Republicans redrew the map. It became more conservative. So instead of being a 49-49 split seat, now it would have been a 52-47 Trump seat. And since they're redrawing the maps, they probably have to use the new maps. Um, so even though it leans Republican, you're expecting to see a very intense Democratic contest of this seat. Because if Democrats can flip that seat, it blocks the supermajority in the Senate, which allows the governor to continue to have vetoes. The other thing is there's already been threats that the Republicans in the Wisconsin Assembly are going to impeach the governor, even if they're trumping, making up the reasons to impeach him. And if they had a supermajority, the Senate could then remove the governor from office without a single Democratic vote. If they don't have the votes, they could still drag it out, which means that he would be suspended from office until the end of the Senate trial. So there's dynamics here at play. Small margins, single seats can have a huge impact on the way democracy functions in an entire state. So not sure when that special election will be, but they hold their annual state uh, spring election for state and local offices on April 4th. So likely could be then, which means that if Darling does indeed resign effective tomorrow, there is no supermajority until that election takes place. So these are the dynamics. We're continuing to sit in this kind of close edge. Democracy is coming through, but how does it continue? The intersection of politics and ideology and the kind of continuation of democracy in America things to be watching for. But for now, we continue to kind of be on the side of democracy sustaining. So I'm going to take solace in that, be grateful for a few days off this last week as we all dive back in for the December sprint. Wishing you all the best. Thank you for listening to this week's 10 Minutes on Democracy. I'm Jason Franklin, and I'll talk to you again next week. Take care.